0: I want to read to you from uh, the book of Hebrews, the 13th chapter, just a couple of verses that I think are applicable uh, for our theme this day. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels, without knowing it. I read that again. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Well, every day we get a chance to show hospitality to strangers and perhaps angels, or even angels that are not so much strangers to us. Uh, but today we really get to practice because uh we've invited Kate Ayers who's the executive director of Reestablished Richmond to come and to, to to share with us about what Reestablish is doing how Westminster is a part of that and and some of the wonderful things that that are happening because of the ministry of Reestablish um as you know we're we're in this series of what we're calling raising the dead the greatest commandment raising the dead is not the greatest commandment But um, we believe that when we live out the, the greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, that we have the opportunity to be part of God raising people from the dead, meaning giving people a new life right here in the life that they have now, giving them an opportunity to grow and to thrive and to flourish in ways, and in the ways that we are invited to grow and thrive and flourish even when we feel broken, even when we feel dead, even when we feel completely not alive, that God um, reinvigorates us and, and raises us from the dead when we love God and love our neighbor. So I don't want to say too much more. I want to, I want to invite Kate to come forward and to, and to share with us about reestablished Richmond.
1: Thank you, Joel. It's really good to be here with you guys. I've, um, I feel like... Uh, This is not my church home, but I come in this space and I feel very much at home. So um, I am grateful for the hospitality that I and my family has received from this congregation over the last several years. Um, But I'd like to share with you a little bit about um, who Reestablished Richmond is, if you don't already know, and um, where Westminster has been, where and how you've been a part of our story. we are an organization that was founded in 2010, and I am part of a congregation a couple miles down the road called Tabernacle, Tabernacle Baptist Church. And I think like Westminster, Tabernacle um, is a large building that used to be filled with hundreds, thousands of people. If you hear our, our pastor tell the story, he'll say it. we had the largest Sunday school on the eastern seaboard. And it was, people were just, you know, spewing out of the pews and the buildings. They couldn't keep up with the space. And then desegregation happened. And, um, a lot of the people there decided to leave and, and go into the, the suburbs. And Tabernacle, like Westminster, chose intentionally to stay, uh, where they were and continue to minister to that, uh, community. And as a result, the building did not shrink, but the people inside the building did. And, um, Tabernacle found themselves, um, with a big building to take care of with a very small group of devoted people. Um, new pastor came to town. He was trying to figure out what are we going to do? The church began praying for children. We just need children. We need more than just the pastor's kids in the nursery every Sunday, you know. Um, and then one Sunday, a group of Burmese refugees showed up at the doorstep. I can't remember the connection, how they found out about Tabernacle, but they had been here um, only months, and they were Christians in Burma, and Christians were not welcome in Burma, so they got kicked out of Burma, and eventually, through many years, found themselves resettled here in Richmond, and were looking for a church home. So Tabernacle began wrapping their arms around this family, and all of a sudden had this renewed sense of purpose and mission helping them, figuring out how to get them to doctor's appointments, figuring out how to help them feel welcome. Long story short, it was a lot of work, a lot of people poured their heart and soul, and at the end of it, people were worn out and burned out. And one of the um, uh, people there named Patrick Brawford had been in a part of the Christian Leadership Institute and learned that resettlement in Richmond has a long history of refugees, but there's no local or, or uh, agency to support them. There's federal agencies that receive federal funding that really can only do certain things at certain times for certain amounts of time, and it's not enough. And so um, Patrick decided to found uh, Reestablish Richmond as a local agency um, to help fill in gaps where those uh, federal agencies couldn't uh, always meet the needs and also to figure out a way to really support and uh, mobilize faith communities um, to support refugees in a more sustainable manner. So that is reestablished. That's where we came from. Um, I met Joel a couple years into the or the agencies uh, after we were founded. We were still trying to figure out who we were. We were still trying to figure out what gaps need to be filled. Um, but... Joel said, you know what? We have space here and we want to find ways to welcome refugees into this space. And since then, it's been about two and a half years, uh, three years. Um, That is what you have done. And you have helped um, re-establish Richmond grow into an agency that is well recognized and well known. Um, Pastor Joel has been a mentor for me as I figured out what it means to to lead um, a small, growing nonprofit. And I want to share with you some of the results of your hospitality. Um, in the last two and a half years, reestablished Richmond and Westminster has, together has been able to teach 180 refugees how to become safe drivers. 180 people have walked through these doors and have found a place to learn how to drive. If you've ever taken the learner's permit test, Maybe some of you, it's been a long time. Some of you, it looks like maybe not that long ago. It is the hardest barrier to getting a license. And we teach a class in this space every week in English, in the language of Dari, and the language of Arabic. And because of that, people have been able to learn how to become safe drivers and pass that test, which is uh, life-giving for sure. Seventy-four people have come into this space, refugees, to engage in community. Um, just like you all are doing this morning, you all helped us start our community engagement program by offering your space for monthly uh, lunches. Those monthly lunches turned into quarterly, larger-scale events where um, we're able to really introduce the refugee community to different faith communities, West, Westminster being one of them. Um, our volunteer program. Over the last two years, we got a grant through AmeriCorps VISTA, and we were able to Put a full-time volunteer coordinator, and over the last two years, um, and 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 because there's so much community community support for volunteers, we have a, a small, little, tiny space. We have access to like an 18-person per conference room. Our first volunteer orientation that we did had like 50 people sign up, and we I said, "Oh, Joel, I don't have enough space. What are we going to do?" So we started having our volunteer orientations and trainings in this space. And in the last two years, we have oriented and trained. Two hundred and forty Richmonders to who have offered support in various ways in the community, which is just a testament to Richmond, I think, but also just to you can imagine the impact that that's had. And I want to start. I want to finish um, by sharing with you three short vignettes of um, clients who have been touched by our programs. Um, and, um, as, and, and largely as a result of the space that you all have given us. Um, this is Jamila. If you've been to any of our trainings, you've heard her story before. She's from Afghanistan. She, um, came here with her husband and her two children. About six months into the resettlement, uh, her husband passed away of a heart attack, which is not a common, um, occurrence, but you can imagine, uh, the, her difficulty of being overnight a single mom. Having no education, being brought up during the Taliban regime, having no job history, and so reestablished Richmond um, immediately. She was able to um, come to one of our first community lunches that we did in this space. I think Pastor Joel has told that story when the the Thursday um, when hundreds of people were coming in this space with beautiful scarves and um, to have lunch. So we partnered with Islamic Center and they came. And um, as well as a lot of our newly arrived Afghans, Jamila being one of them. And through that community event, she was connected to some really life-giving supports. Um, that group started paying her rent until she got a job. She went through our transportation program. She was able to get her license. Um, we've been able to train uh, volunteers who now go to her, her family's home and help her learn English um so and today she works full-time she works in an embroidery factory you can see back there and she runs it there's like four other afghan women who are employed and she it's because of her and her dedication to the company that they were willing to bring on more people so the next story this is for reba and i just uh got this from a volunteer this week so margaret eaves is one of our volunteers that was trained in this space and I reached out to her for something else. And she said, I just want you to know, I've been working with Fariba every week. And she came to me not knowing how to read, write English or her native language, Dari. And this week, she read two books from cover to cover. And she was so excited. And I asked her, I said, do you think Fariba would mind if I share this picture? Because I think it's really a testament to what a volunteer can do and the dedication and the partnership for this community. And she said, yes, she would be very excited to share Um share her story in that picture with you. And then um the last very short story, I don't have a picture to go with it, but um our, it has to do with our volunteer program. So like I said, we've been able to train and orient over 240 people in this space and one of those people, her name is Leslie Saul, and Leslie adopted a family from the Congo. There's a large Congolese community living out on the eastern side of Kinshasa. And Leslie um, started, sort of adopted a family and and found out how all the challenges that come with it. So she came to one of our volunteer trainings and she has sort of now named herself the um, Congolese community organizer. And so we have paired several of our volunteers with Congolese families. She has organized and mobilized those volunteers. She has a weekly community meeting in that um, community where she brings in an interpreter She's brought in people from all over the city to help educate the Congolese about health and safety and nutrition. Um, there's a soccer camp started out of this uh, thing for kids out there. A big community safety fair happened over spring break, um, and she um, most recently has partnered with another faith agency that does um, like mental health for people who've experienced trauma and so she is now able to offer that training to the Congolese. Um, and it's simply just because she has all these volunteers to help her mobilize and do the work. Um, and so, you know, I know a lot of you don't get to see this on a day-to-day because this church's ministry is space and hospitality, and, and you're not here day-to-day, not a lot of you. But I'm here to tell you that I get to see the impact um, that this space has had, and if you want to see a children in your nursery, come on a Thursday morning, <laughs> because there's sometimes 10 to 15 small children who've never been separated from their mothers, this is the first time, and their mothers are just down the hallway, and we have 5 to 10 volunteers in that room as well, because that's what it takes, um, just to corral and, and help those children feel comfortable, so... I am so grateful for the ministry that you do, and and I know that you do a lot of other good things in the community. So thank you for having me, Joel.
0: So one of the things that um, our elders talk about a lot is, you know, because because we have this amazing space, we we leverage it in the community for for ministry, and and sometimes uh, and and because of the demographics of our congregation. And the way the working world is today, you know, it used to be, um, you know, back in the day, if, if there was a funeral at your church, you could say to your boss, listen, I've got a funeral at my church. I'll be gone an hour. And okay, no big deal. Now it better be a blood relative and you better have five signed documents. I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's a little, it's, it's sad that either, either the system got abused or, Or we've just moved to a place where we think that, that what we're doing is so important that we just can't let that person be released to be a part of whatever community they're a part of. Um, but there are ways that you can get involved with all the organizations that we're, that we are, um, showcasing, um, that we, that we do resource. And, um, I heard through a little birdie that you guys are collecting books for a children's library for Old Refugee Day and all of that. And so it just so happens it just so happens that we have a whole box of books that we oh, want awesome. to uh we want to donate thank to the cause yes, so thank you stand here i want to pray yes. with you so let's pray god we're so grateful for your spirit moving through your people that the people of, of Tabernacle would would embrace a family that was so different than them, and that, that would that that would move people to then say, you know what, we can do better. Even though we're tired and worn out, we can we can do better. We can do something that that has a larger impact and welcomes people into this city and into our country and helps them to flourish. So, God, we thank you for Kate, for all the volunteers for For all of those folks who are coming into a new place and are scared and lonely and and wondering how they're going to make it, we thank you for this ministry and and for all the ways that um, Reestablish Breaks Barriers and draws people together. God bless these books and and all the children and adults that will read them that they might be life-giving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank Thank you. I wanted to highlight something in the scriptures that um that we've been talking about today. And in the in these scriptures you wouldn't you wouldn't know it unless you unless you you know geek out and dig into things like a pastor does on on language and whatever. But in the um in love the lord your god with all your heart your, mo- your mind your soul your strength love your neighbor as yourself that Jesus brought together in the original Hebrew it's the same it's the same word for you shall love your God. You shall love your neighbor. And in the Hebrew scriptures, they're separate. They're not together. Jesus brings them together in the New Testament and, 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 um, and forms this relationship that we sort of take for granted, I think, as Christians. Because we, in general, if you, if you've been around Christian churches, this is, you know, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus says, love the word your God. You know, we, just this sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> And this, and, and, and this is not, um, this Leviticus scripture that we read today, Leviticus 19, is not the place where it says, love your neighbor, um, as yourself, but it is another place, and it's the same exact Hebrew word. And you shall love. When a foreigner, or an alien, or an immigrant, depending on how you want to translate that word, resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner, the alien, the immigrant residing among you must be treated as your native-born or, depending on the translation, as a citizen. I think that language for us is probably more powerful than native-born. Foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born or as a citizen. Love them, and you shall love them as yourself. And then sort of the why. For you were aliens. You were foreigners in Egypt. You spent 400 years, God says to the Hebrews, as slaves in a foreign land. And because of that, you don't get to be jerks. You know, because... I'll tell you what, if somebody had kept me kept me and my family and my ancestors in slavery for 400 years, I think I would hold a pretty big grudge. And I think I would be very afraid of foreigners, of people coming from other places, of people who are different than me. I would want to protect my culture and my society to the nth degree. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be careful about welcoming people. I'm not saying that we should just blindly accept and 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 just say, oh, it's you know nobody's out to hurt anybody. Nobody will ever do anything bad. We have to keep our eyes open, just like we do with one another. We're broken people. We'll we, we'll hurt each other some, from time to time. We'll say things that are cruel. We'll do things that that are mean, even sometimes unintentionally. But there is a directive here that is so strong and. Reminds me again that the Christian life, this new life that we've been given, is not not a life of luxury. It's not a life of ease. God does not say, follow me and I'll make everything easier. God says, take up your cross, follow me, leave yourself behind. And at the same time, love your neighbor as yourself. And you shall love. I just wanted to plant that in your mind a little bit. I think it's a, there's so many interesting things when we study the scriptures that, that parallel each other. The New Testament, as one scholar says, sings an Old Testament song. And if, when you hear those notes sounding, you just, you realize how rich this heritage and tradition that Jesus was fully a part of and how he was teaching us it in a different way. And then how he gave himself completely and utterly so that we might have an understanding of this new life that we are being offered. So that's my reflection for you this morning after our presentation and what we're, what, what we're talking about today. And you shall love.